everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Fantastic. I want to speak about uh, our relationship we have with our transformational God. You know, God is in the process of transforming our lives. And transformation is an incredibly tricky process. Um, it doesn't matter which way you, you look at it. When God comes into our lives, he comes to transform us into the person that we were called to be, destined to be, the person that he created us to be before um, the very foundations of the earth. Your name was written in the heavenly places. He purposed a life for you. He purposed um, a plan for your, your, your very being here. Uh, and he has ordained something for you which is far greater than what you presently need, see, understand, or feel about yourself. Amen. And so um, it says here in, um, in 1 Kings chapter 6, it's the story of Solomon building the temple. And I love this story of, of Solomon building the temple. But I, I want to think about it from the purpose of the, the trees that were used in building it. Um, my father, as many of you know, was a cabinet maker. And um, I remember... When I was about 18, 19 years of age, I was shifting loads of old timber that he had stored for some years. And I came across some planks of oak. Uh, and if you've got great sort of planks of oak, they would normally be, if you, the wider they are, the more expensive because it's very difficult to get sort of wide um, planks. And my father had these planks of oak that were well over two foot wide. Uh, they were two inches thick, uh, and they were around um, between six and eight feet tall, um, which is quite unusual. But he'd been storing them for um, over uh, 40 years. In fact, he'd cut the tree down himself when he was 14 and, uh, and had milled the tree uh, and was waiting for that great job to use them for. He couldn't quite bring himself around to actually <laughs> cutting them up and using them. He was saving them for something special. And uh, it reminded me of this scripture here in 1 Kings chapter 6, uh, when Solomon built his temple. And we're going to read from 1 Kings 6, 1, and we're going to go all the way down to verse, um, verse uh, 14. So it says here, um, and it came to pass in the 400... And 80th year after the children of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv. That's a great month, isn't it? I wonder what the weather's like in Ziv. (laughs) Sounds kind of dubious. Which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. Now, the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, its length was 60 cubits, its width 20 and its height 30 cubits. Basically, it was large. Now, the vestibule in front of the sanctuary of the house was 20 cubits long across the width of the house. Um, and yeah, verse 4. And he made the house windows with beveled frames against the wall of the temple. He built chambers all around against the walls of the temple, all around the sanctuary, in the inner sanctuary, thus 
He made side chambers all around it. The lowest chamber was five cubits wide. The middle was six cubits wide. The third was seven cubits wide. He made narrow ledges around the outside of the temple to support the beams which would not be fastened into the walls of the temple. And the temple which was being built was built with stone finished at the quarry. So no hammer or chisel or any iron tool was heard in the temple while it was being Built the doorway from the middle um, for the middle story was on the right side of the temple, and so went up by the stairs to the middle story and from the middle to the third. And so he built the temple and finished it, and he panelled the temple with beams and boards of cedar, and he built side chambers against the entire temple, five cubits high, and they were attached to the temple with cedar beams. Then the word of the Lord came to Solomon saying, concerning this temple which you are building, if you walk in my statutes, execute my judgments, keep all my commandments and walk in them, then I will perform my word with you, which I spoke to your father David, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the temple and finished it. Now, this building of the temple was an extraordinary exercise of of a man who was possessed with a dream and a vision which had no limitation. It was somebody who was building something, and it it is the image of what God is actually building in us. For we know that we are the tabernacle, the Bible says, of the Holy Spirit. And so what we see happening in the Old Testament in terms of a physical frame is what God is doing in our lives in a natural process, in what he's actually doing in us, that his presence may live with us. Amen? And when we want to look at Solomon's temple, I I think about the the trees, uh, the cedars of Lebanon. Lebanon uh, is famous for its forests. It still is. In fact, there are people today who who, uh, look to... Um, restore the, the forests of Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon. Um, and cedar is an incredible tree. Um, <clears throat> it's very, very strong. It's, it's very good for carving. Uh, and so it's, very, it's a very useful tree for building. And so um, there's this um, fella uh, called Hiram, King Hiram of Tyre, um, who actually uh, supplied all of the cedar for um, Solomon to build the temple. He also supplied and built um, King David's house as well. Uh, there's another message in that, uh, actually, that God will supply people for you for a place of your dwelling, that, that, that God supplies avenues of resource for your life. And, and, and uh, Hiram, king uh, of Tyre from Lebanon, was a, was a king who was in relationship with David and also in Sol- with Solomon, and he supplied all the timber. They had um, somewhere in the region of 30,000 men cutting down the trees, uh, working in, in, in shifts of 10,000 at a time. And so um, they, all of these trees were being cut down, and, and so it's an amazing event. But think of it from the perspective of the tree. All right, because it's a beautiful thing to happen unless, of course, you are the tree. <laughs> Happy in the forest, birds nesting in your head. <laughs> Maybe not so happy. <laughs> Got a woodpecker today. And, uh, <laughs> and so here is the, here's the tree from the perspective of the tree. 
There is a lot of process that's going to happen before it can be, that tree be, can become part of the tabernacle where the glory of God can reside. And you know, there is such an amazing process of transformation that God is working in our lives. And so when we look at our lives, we often look at the potential of what we could be, but we have to understand that for God to process you into the person that you need to be, you have to go through the stages of transformation. And transformation isn't just, and it's not just a prayer, God, just do a work, oh, I felt his presence, I'm a changed man. Yeah, kind of. When you meet with God, every moment you meet with him, there is a point of change. But that doesn't mean to say that everything is now different. You've got to come back and go through that process again and again and again. You know, if you think about it from the the tree's point of view, um, there really are about nine stages of of, change. transformation that the tree has to go through and I used to make furniture I still potter around in the workshop and make a few bits and pieces when I can and here's the thing the tree has to go through first off it's got to be cut down then it's got to be cut up and then it's got to be dried out and you can be and drying out processes is kind of the rest you've been cut up and you've been, <laughs> you've been cut down and you've been cut up. And you're like, whoa, what's going on in my life? And then it's kind of like, oh my word, oh, it's rest time. I'm going to be dry. Now, you can be dried out in two ways. You, the long process of drying out is being cut into planks and then air dried in, in shelves um, outside somewhere or just in a sheltered place where it doesn't get wet and just but the air can blow through it. And so that's how you dry it. But that can take years uh, whereas um, you can also go through the quick process where you can be useful and, and, and ready in a much shorter time, but it does involve being put in an oven. And, uh, <laughs> and I kind of feel like that we go through similar processes. Sometimes there are pros, times of rest, and it's just and other times, whoa, who put me in the oven here? <laughs> I, just feel, I just feel the heat of everything around me. But the process of drying out, makes, it makes it important. You can't build with furniture that carries, you can't build furniture or anything that, with, with timber that has too much moisture because the, the moisture itself will then, um, will then ultimately um, dry out of the, the tree at the wrong time and it will split and crack and it will become useless. And so there is a process that goes through. Then it has to be cut to size. Once it's being cut, and cut to size is a really important understanding. of When you, when you take, we used to buy um, oak from, a, a, when I was from the south of England, we would buy English oak from a, a local um, timber yard, and they would be milling the timber. So they would just bring in the trees, and they would just put them into these enormous great machines that would drop this whole massive... Um, 1,800-year-old oak trees would just be dropped into a machine and out comes a square block out the, out the side and then they would sort of mill it through. But sometimes you would come and you would buy what you call wany edge um, oak. And a wany edge is basically, it's the plank, but it's still got the bark um, on one side or both sides. So you've got it, and, and basically it's a useful plank, but it's still completely useless because its edge is wany. And you've got to cut off the wany edge. you know what? Here's the thing with our lives, with a point of transformation. God is doing a great work in our lives, but we're just a bit 
ratty around the edges. <laughs> They're just a bit wany around the edges. They've got to be, they've got to be straightened a bit. You can see it's a plank. You can see you're a Christian. It's just some of those edges are a bit off. We get wany relationships that just need to be removed from our lives. We get wany attitudes that just need to be taken off from our lives. It's a great tree, but the edges have got to come off a bit before it's any good. And then once it's been cut to size, it then has to be planed down because the soaring process will leave it with a rough cut and now it has to be planed. And the planing process again is removing another layer of timber off the, off the top. And then once you think you've just gone through that, then it's going to be sanded. And then it's got to be fitted. Then it's going to be sanded again. Then it's going to be polished. You know, in all of those processes, every single one of them are painful. I need you to understand, transformation is painful because what it's doing is it's removing things from our lives that are a part of us. We get used to part of the issues around our life. God wants to transform you. That transformation is a painful process. There is always an element of uncomfortable. Sometimes we go through a very difficult season. It is the, the drying oven of life where you just feel the heat. A lot of the time, it is there just there's that slight feeling, that irritation, that point of process. But in all of these things, God is transforming us. He's beginning to build the process around our lives. And see, process equals pain. You see, we have to understand that what happens is in our lives is that we equate pain to fault. We think if I'm going through pain, then it must be my fault, it must be somebody else's fault. But the problem with that thinking is that if you equal pain to fault and you can't think of anything you've done wrong, you then feel like you're a victim. What did I do? This time, well, you breathed, but I mean, (laughs) sometimes you just feel like, well, I didn't do anything. Why am I going through this? What is the reason for this? You know what? God doesn't put you through the process of transformation because you are a sinner. He's already forgiven you of your sin. He dealt with that point of transformation. He's brought a transformation of brand new life. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, he forgives you of your sin. It is removed as far as the east is from the west. We don't have to go through that again and make you go through agony just because you was a sinner or you were a sinner. He's not punishing you. What would be the point of punishing you? You wouldn't achieve anything. He wants to build you, not punish you. Transformation is about building process. It's not about a punishment. So we have to understand that if you equate the pain of life that your struggles you go through in life as something you've done wrong, something somebody else has done wrong, then you're beginning to, you're missing the point altogether. God is building and processing us because he loves us. How much more? Does God come to those who love him and prune them ready 
for a greater harvest. We've got these two trees that grow, these bushes that grow in the, in the garden. And they've been a bit of a pain. They kind of, they only flower on the second year's growth. If you cut them back, then they don't flower, right? So it's this great bush that sits in front of the house. You cut them right back and it doesn't flower. Then the next year it grows again. And the next year's growth, that doesn't flower, but the year before does flower. So you only get the second year flower. on. So you have, it has to grow for two years. So in two years' growth, you can put on like this. And you don't want that much growth. You have to cut it back. And then you, get, you just get this leggy back. We've been working with this bush. And every so often, it'll get lots of flowers. But it's just, a, it's just like this hideous plant that's just all out of shape. And it doesn't... It just doesn't work. But this year, finally, we've managed to get the plant in a point of just, it's, gen, it's kind of the shape it should be, and it's going to flower. We've now got this. It's not just going to be like leggy bits all over the place. It, but here's the point. It takes a lot of cutting back to get it where it needs to be. Yeah. See, God needs you to understand that there is a lot of cutting back in your life to get you where he needs you to be. It isn't because he, he doesn't like you. It isn't because he thinks you're a bad person. It isn't because he thinks that, that, that he's catching you out for that lie you told when you were, when you were 14 to your, your, your school teacher. And he's not... <laughs> he, and, and that, that, that thing that you stole <laughs> when you were seven, he's not catching up with you. He is not a policeman with a list of crimes going, yeah, yeah, but I remember... I am the Lord and I never forget. (laughs) He's not catching up with you. He forgave you for your sin. He is not removing your sin from you. He removed it. This is not about your sin. It's about your, the purpose and the destiny of your life. He has something greater for you rather than just sitting around in a forest not doing anything, having birds poop on you. I mean, it's a beautiful tree, but I mean, you know, there's got to be better things in life than being pooed on, right? <laughs> Apologize, anyone who is sensitive to such things. There are other words I could use, but I felt I should filter them down. <laughs> See, we have to understand that there is a transformation that needs to take place. Michelangelo, when he was carving David, he saw David within the rock. David was within the the rock that he had to carve. We've been to see David um, in, in, uh, where is it? No, it's not in Rome. David's in Florence. He's in Florence. We've been to see David in Florence. And uh, hello, David. And... uh, and so David is this, this one, I mean, if you go through Florence, it's just this ridiculous um, museum of the most extraordinary um, art. And you just see these in- extraordinary um, marble statues and the, the craftsmanship, but they came out of great massive lumps of ugly rock that, that was beautiful kind of to look at, but wasn't doing anything. See, God is carving you into the extraordinary perfection that you are. David was within, Michelangelo could see David within that lump of stone. And he had to bring him out. 
And that is what God is doing with our lives. He is transforming us to reveal the genius of who he is, of how he truly created you. We have a lot of excess around our lives. When you make furniture, I have made a lot of furniture over, my, over the years, you've got to remove from the tree the, the wood that is not needed for the construction that you're building. And so that transformation has to take place. And if you're going to build something that is going to be of great honor. The Bible says in 1 Kings 8 and verse 10, it says this. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the glory filled the house of the Lord. So the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. You see, God wanted to build a temple that he could fill. The purpose of the temple was for his presence. The purpose for your life is for his presence. He's creating you in a place of there is a workmanship that is going on in your life so he can fill you with his presence. You know, I've discovered that living my life, you can live with God. You can live live close to Him. You can live away from Him. Or you can live with Him flowing through your life. That you can live like a a second cousin. I think a lot of Christians live like second cousins to the things of God. We kind of drift into church and out again. And kind of, we're known by name. Oh, yeah, that's my second cousin. Nice guy. Don't see him very often. Just comes and goes. Turns up at Christmas. <laughs> goes again. <laughs> Brings a little box of sticky dates. <laughs> Takes away enormous great gift. <laughs> Does it every year. I've never worked it out. <laughs> a lot of people are like that. <laughs> treating, treating God like this just... That vagueness, that kind of edge, you can live like that. And here's the amazing thing. The gift that God gives still comes to you. But the transformation of what he created for you never begins to take place. In other words, your life will continue to look like a building site which is never completed. When I was a kid growing up, my father, he always had a thousand projects on. He's very creative, creative. he was, um, he, was a, he was a master craftsman, and so he used to make all this extraordinary furniture, but he had so many projects on, and there was, there was just stuff everywhere the whole time. And, and there was always this sort of project. The house always looked a bit like a building site. There was just stuff, and, and it didn't matter how many times we, we filled up the yard. We had this big yard, and we'd fill up the yard with stuff to take to the tip. Within a few months, there would be another pile of it. <laughs> And I never worked out where it came from. (laughs) But it's because dad was always working on, he has this creative, and you know what, we can always be trying to work on stuff, but what we fail to do is we fail to allow God to complete the task that he's doing in our lives. And what happens is we miss the point and we end up looking like a builder's yard and never the creation that God created us to be. And the longer you're like a building yard, the more you begin to miss what he purposed your life. And you know, here in Kings, it says 
that the, God was building a temple that his glory would fill it, that his purpose would fill this house, that there is a point of transformation, but transformation comes by pain. It always comes by pain. We've got to understand, if we become pain-averse, then we begin to miss how God works in our lives. Everybody remembers what it was like losing your teeth as a child, don't you? You remember that process? You remember that that tooth where it starts to go wobbly? You know what that feeling's like. You've got that wobbly tooth feeling. And you wobble it and you go, oh, that hurt. But you wobbled it still a bit more, didn't you? You just go and you go, you become like a man possessed. Starts bleeding a bit. I... I remember with my brothers, we invented all kinds of ways of pulling our teeth out. I remember, I remember on one occasion we worked out in our bedroom. We had, I shared, um, I shared a bedroom with, with two of my brothers. Uh, and it, was a, it, was a, it had two steps down in, into the bedroom. And um, it just, the door was probably only about that high. And you bend down and you step down. And, and it had this sort of a latch handle on it. And we tied string to the latch handle uh, and tied it to, it to to my tooth, my brother, and I'm standing and slams it, bang, away goes the tooth. <laughs> we found all sorts of amazing ways of ripping teeth. It, you know what? It hurts, right? But you, you know you have to do it because the purpose is for something better. And you see, when God is working in your life, he's building a point of transformation. And that transformation takes pain. But the pain you're going through is revealing the glory. It's revealing the David that he has planted on the inside of you. There is a David which he has planted inside of you, like the like Michelangelo's statue that he carved. It's, it, it, it is noted as the greatest carving on the earth. It's one of those things, even if someone carved something greater, it would never be appreciated such, because who can argue with Michelangelo? So, <laughs> so it's one of those, it is the carving. That, that is the, the, the gold standard. And God is carving within your life a David, a genius, uh, carving of perfection that he's working in your life. But on every removal of stone, every, every hammer um, that hits the chisel is, is a mark of pain within your heart. But it is the revealing of God's glory and purpose for your life. The Bible says, let me finish with this, it says, in 1 Corinthians 9, 18, I'm pretty sure it's 1 Corinthians 9, 18. I forgot to write that down, actually. <laughs> it says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I think that we often say this scripture, but we fail to realize what that really means. We all... Let me see. We all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So the Bible says that all of us, as we look in the mirror, we don't see us, we see God. 
So when God looks at us, he doesn't see us, he sees himself. Because we are the reflection of his creation. We are made in his image. So in Genesis, uh, when God made Adam and Eve, he made man in his image. We, uh, man was made in the perfection of God's image. Man was perfect and in the nature, the likeness of God. In our personality, in our purpose, in who we are, man was created in the nature of God. But when man sinned, what happened is that man was encloaked, encased with the issues of life that stopped the perfect creation from being revealed. But God has purposed within each of us his perfection. So when we come and give our lives to Jesus Christ, we're not stepping into this glorious moment where it's now when we're going to be dancing down the end of the garden with the fairies and we're going to be singing forever with some weird kind of echoey music where someone's got the reverb up too high and we're just singing. It doesn't work like that. Life is about the reality of removing everything that has gotten around us that is not required. And so while a lump of marble may be uh, very beautiful, David is more magnificent. A tree is very beautiful, but a magnificent building has far more purpose. And so the tree um, can look amazing, but but held within the rafters of an extraordinary structure, that is what the tree is there for. And so we have to understand that God has made us in his image. We are beholding the image of God. And so when Christ is working in your life, that image, that from glory to glory, in the middle of that glory to that glory, is the the hammer punch of a chisel. Between glory, chisel, glory. Ow! Oh, that's better. Thank you very much. Could you do the other side? <laughs> oh no, here comes the grinder. <laughs> well, if you think it will improve me. <laughs> People around the world are desperate for improvement. People are, we, we do all that we can, don't we? We look in the mirror and go, Cheryl and I were just remarking, we, we booked our holiday with the family and Cheryl goes, we've got four weeks to get the beach bodies. I don't know where it's gone. I, don't, I, don't, I remember seeing it about 10 years ago, but I haven't seen it since. It was there once. It was just drifted through my life and went again. I, I have no idea if I'll ever find that beach body again. It's a, it's a poor memory of my life. But we've got to understand, to get to where we want to be is a process of pain but the pain that you are going through is not God's punishment in your life. He is not angry with you. He is not destroying you. All he is simply doing is carving the genius of David within you. He is bringing forth as Michelangelo did with, with that statue of marble and brought through David. So he is working in your life the genius 
of who you are and revealing the nature of what he has done in your life. For we are beholding the glory of the Lord. We are revealing as in a mirror God's presence. You've got to understand when you look in a mirror, you are looking at the very image of who you are. But the Bible says when we look in a mirror spiritually, we reveal Jesus Christ. The mirror reveals him. How does it even work? When you know the secrets of your thought life, you know the actions of your life, only you really know who you really are. And you're the judge of who you are. And every time you judge yourself, you diminish your purpose, you diminish your ability, you diminish who you are. But the Bible says when God looks at us, He looks at us and sees Himself. He goes, oh, look at my kid. Just as a father looks, I look at my children and I go, yeah, yeah, that was, that was me once. And uh, I look at my kids and they're slim and they're like, whoa, how do they, how do they even work? And, and I, just, I see myself in my children. So God sees himself in his perfection, in his glory, in his wonder, in the power of who he is. He sees himself in you. He doesn't see the agony, the heartache. He doesn't see the failure. He doesn't count any of those things. Why? Why is he not measuring those? Why is he not punishing you for those? Because the Bible says, he has removed your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. The issue of your failings is never even part of the story. The pain you go through has got nothing to do with your failings. Now, we can cause ourselves pain by making poor choices But God isn't doing that with you. It's not God. What God is working in your life is He's removing what isn't needed. He's removing the wany edge to reveal the straight edge of His glory reveals the true strength and the purpose of who you are. That's how transformation works. We have a God that transforms us. We're on an adventure, amen? And that adventure is an adventure of extraordinary work. Every adventure must be packed up for, must be planned, must be taken seriously, but with that sense of excitement, anticipation. What are we going to do? Remember when we went to Denmark and we... We took, in fact, we did it for two years running. We took teams across to Denmark. Some of you in this room remember going. And, and we just, oh, we had so much fun. We prayed for so many people. We saw so many. There was a lot of effort went into the preparation for that adventure. But the fruit of that, actually the, the fruit of that is there are children who were born as a result of the miracle. There's now people on earth breathing, living, thinking, acting, playing because of the miracles that took place of that adventure that we launched into. That, I mean, it's quite extraordinary when you think about what God did as a result of the miracles of healings in people's lives. A woman who couldn't conceive, had no womb, happened to get a miracle of a baby. God is the transformer transforms us. He's taking you through a process. 
Sometimes that process is hard work. He's got the angle grinder out, got the chisel out, he's got the sander out. But he will bring you through to that fine point of polish. He stands back and he goes, look at this. Come on, angels, look at this. Look at this one. This one is amazing. Look at this perfection. Don't you see the resemblance? Look. Same silly smile. God is doing an amazing work in our lives. Amen. And all of your pain is not punishment. It is purpose. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.